Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to talk to Daniel from Payable. He's a CEO and founder of Payable and we're going to talk about payments and how to scale payment capabilities and um, you know how can this be uh, helpful for your business, right? It's not only about uh, PayPal and payment apps uh, uh, here and there, but it's integral to your business. So let's find out more from Daniel. How are you today? Hello, Rudolf. Super excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so tell us a bit about yourself. What is your backstory? How did you get to do what you do today? So I am from Mexico. I am from Cancun. Uh, I am from the beautiful beach and the palm trees. And before becoming a product manager, I was a lawyer. I used to divorce people, which that could be a funny story for another time. I had a great chance to work in a company called Clip. Clip is like a sum up, I settle, like a little bit of a mobile POS point of sale system, but in Mexico, it was amazing. So basically think about how can a taco shop start accepting card payments? And I fell in love with fintech. Fintech is amazing. It's just, you have the opportunity to help many people just to get access to payments, banking services, effects, currencies. Anyway, so I decided to move to London, which at the time I think was the capital of fintech, join a company called Curve to lead card payments or how to move money between different cards, then join Checkout.com to build infrastructure and APIs for marketplace and platforms. How can uh, Molly, Klarna, Facebook, all of these kind of like platform merchants can move money and accept payments across the world. And then I decided to start a company when I realized that we live in a world where there's so many payment options, so many bank accounts, so many ways for you to accept payment as a merchant, as a business which makes it really hard to really do accounting and financial uh, understanding of where your cash is. So that's how we ended up starting Payable. We raised $6 million round last year, which is super exciting. Uh, the director of engineering became my CTO. And Ras and I were trying to change the way how finance teams you know, build a cash position and move money. Wow, that's great. I mean, I never had a divorce lawyer uh, turned a fintech founder. So that's amazing. Um, yeah, and also from the small world of Cancun, you know, we decided to leave the, the hot weather to move into the cold weather of London. So you talked about payments, many solutions out there. Let's clarify this a little bit. So what is the problem that you're solving specifically and why is it worth solving? And then, of course, we'll move on to solution. Yeah, so um, many of you probably in the audience remember that a couple of months ago, Silicon Valley Bank just had a fallout, meaning there was a bank run and Silicon Valley Bank doesn't exist anymore. So what happened was that many companies decided to open many bank accounts. So on one side, you have money across different accounts. That could be HSBC, that could be Bank of America here in the US, that could be Barclays, Lloyds, whatever that is. Second is that companies now are global first, meaning they normally don't only focus in a single region. They want to serve customers across the world. 
So then you have a currency issue. You say, well, I'll have USD in this bank account, I'll have euros in this account, and I'll have, I don't know, GBP in this bank account. Third, I believe that we're in a world where every company can become a fintech company. That requires the company, in this case, a marketplace or a software company to add payments as a feature, as a product. So suddenly you are accepting a bunch of payments. The money will not go into your bank instantly. It will maybe reach your account in two weeks or sorry, in two days or in a couple of days. And suddenly what happens is how can you easily understand what's your cost? How can you keep your balance sheet, your P&L? How can you forecast? How can you run a business if it's so hard to understand where the money is? And that's basically what Payroll is doing. We just help you connect all your corporate accounts to your ERP. That could be your Zero, NetSuite, so you can have multiple legal entities, understand your cash, and just make better ways for you to understand where the money is, uh, from adding your PSPs to doing reconciliation to all the way down to cash reports. Uh, I find it, you ask, why, why is it now important to solve this? Money in a business is a lifeblood of why the money needs, why the company needs to exist, right? Without really knowing where the money is going, it's so hard to make decisions. It's so interesting that we're in 2023 and uh, a lot of the finance teams are spending time counting records or counting beans instead of being more thoughtful and strategic about where the business is going. And the way you have to do that is just to improve the way you connect to these bank accounts. So it's a bank connectivity issue. It's a technology issue that Payable is trying to solve. All right. So let's paint the picture. What is your solution? I mean, are you a B2B business? Is this a treasury solution? You work as a white label in the background or or what? Yeah, so we are a B2B solution. So we work with businesses. Um, customers of ours include Lendable, one of the consumer marketplaces, peer-to-peer marketplaces here in the UK, free trade as well, Payflow. So we, we sell software to the business. So the finance, finance controller or the head of treasury can just understand their cash position better and automate payments as well. We can connect that to the corporate accounts. That could be Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, HSBC, or um, Citi, and then automatically do all bank transfers without having you to connect directly into these bank files. When you go into um, banking, there's these weird things like empty files or ISO files and all of these horrible things. We just abstract them and make a beautiful API and a beautiful dashboard so the team can collaborate together in in, in our platform, which is pretty exciting. Um, what else? Yeah, so it's a software-only product, but it's a fintech product, which is very, I guess, different approach to the world. What does that mean? A lot of the companies, when they're fintech companies, they are regulated entities. They hold money for the customers. So let's say you are an accounts payable platform where you want to pay out bills. So you say to the customer, or Spendesk is a good example. You say, hey, I'm a Spendesk, or I'm a Payhawk. Hey, I'm a wallet, make a transfer to me. And then from my bank, I pay out and I do you know, whatever you need me to do, accept car payments or do payouts. What we do at Payable is a very different approach. We're more of an enterprise solution that we stay as software. We believe that you should bring your own bank and you should create your own menu, meaning we don't. We shouldn't be convincing you to use a wallet where you, when you are a big company, you probably have a reason why you want to have that bank account. That could be uh, to protect customer funds. That could be for many other reasons, effects, everything that we discussed here before. So the company brings their own banks. We connect those banks into a platform, which is called Payable, and then they can see their balances, their currencies, and automate all the payouts as well. 
It's a very different approach because it's not a, we're not a bank, we're not a wallet. We are software for fintech companies without touching money. And we can move money without touch, touching the actual money. We're just a messaging protocol. I see. All right. So you mentioned messaging protocol. So I just wanted to ask you, what's your technology angle here? Uh, or do you just have better software engineers? Or uh, is it uh, proprietary software that uh, is unique and stands out? Yeah, we, I think one of the things that um, a lot of the VCs say when you are a pre-CCH company is, can the founder hire? Can the founder build? Can the founder sell? Can the founder scale? And those are like, the, it's like a video game. You you need to have a fast feedback loop of every stage. You get some points, you get some better skills, you prepare yourself, and then you go to the next stage. I believe we've hired a great team here at Payable. Uh, Maddie, uh, she's one of the engineers that used to build the ledger, bank connectivity, free trade. We got uh, people from Strive, from TrueLayer, from Yappily who build a lot of these kind of like integrations with the banks. That is very unique because I don't think what we do is rocket science. I think what we do is just something very, very technical that we need to make it very, very easy and very simple. But anybody can do it. I think it's just more the time it gets you to do it. And because we hire a great team, it gave us the ability to understand bank or banking as a corporate side of things to get there faster. So that's one key um, advantage that we have. Don't get me wrong, we're still figuring a lot of the stuff out. We are in that sales scaled mode. We got customers, we got revenue, which is amazing. Now we're thinking about how do we make these repeatable? How do we go to different ge- geographies, uh, regions? You know, what do we need to do to scale so we can then get to 10 million of revenue and 100 million of revenue, blah, 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 blah. Those, of course, are future problems. But I will say, yeah, the answer is we hire great people that build a great technology and product that is very unique to to the market. All right, so let's talk about your clients, and you know, may, you may or may not be able to uh, mention the names, but that's not what I'm after. But more types of clients you mentioned, lendable, etc. Right? So, are we talking about e-commerce marketplaces or or what? Yeah, what we observe is um, normally we 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 serve. But, you know, we could serve any company, but that's not you're not going to give us the biggest ACV call uh, annual contract value. So we serve B2C companies, particularly when they have high velocity of transactions. The example I mentioned was uh, Lendable in this case, or Free Trade, right? Where uh, or Payflow, another one where these companies they have many invoices or many payments that they need to be reconciled and tracked for the cash position, the balance sheet and PNL in an easy way in their uh, chart of accounts or in their ERP. But the problem is that the bank account is not easily configured to connect to the ERP. If you're having 70,000, 80,000 transactions and you need to tag them, categorize them and put them in the right place, Zero and NetSuite are not really made for that. There's a lot of like um, engineering needed from the merchant for them to build this in-house so they can pull and extract all the data from their bank accounts, instruct and make payments from their own bank accounts, convert that data scheme schema into the right yeah, uh, format, and then say, okay, if I find a transaction, let's say, that says FX commission, I want this to go into my PNL or my account code, I don't know, 
FX um, assets or FX commissions or FX income, right? So we can use completely alumni that. But yeah, just to keep it simple, B2C companies, uh, marketplaces, fintech, e-commerce platforms as well, uh, lending companies, many of these type of companies, they have like one too many, many to one. We just had another company as well last week, which is pretty exciting. Uh, this is a um, freelancer marketplace or merchant of record. And same, they, the a brand is hiring someone in the other part of the world. They need to track the um, payments transactions into the account. Um, they need to divide the money in the right way and then push the data somewhere else. All right, understood. So, uh, you know, you prioritize, of course, uh, but let's move on. And because you have seen and still different kind of companies, right? Many companies. And uh, maybe you have seen that in some startups or in fintechs, uh, the role of finance is not clear, right? This is something that uh, you do on a Friday afternoon. You fill in some spreadsheet and that's it. And then people hire CFOs much too late. So what do you think is uh, the role of finance uh, when scaling up startups or fintechs? Yeah, I think the problem is that uh, uh, when you think about the stages of a company, at the very, very beginning, when you open a startup and that's the same with us, the first thing is just to have your books okay. So you have a, an accountant. Don't get me wrong, I love, I love accountants, but I will say that at the very, very beginning of your journey as a founder, that accountant probably is an outsourced accountant. And the main reason why you're having this person is to help you count things in the right way so it goes to the right place so you can close the books. As you start growing, your liabilities become a little more complicated. You have to pay more bills. You start giving cards to your um, employees. You need to make people happy so they have, I don't know, expense policies. So you hire your first finance manager. Second is you start getting revenue. You say, oh my God, we got product market fit. That's amazing. Brilliant. So now you need to track how money goes. What happens if your payment terms are you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? What if you are a consumer star like Monzo? How do you track your CAC to LTV, your cost of acquisition or lifetime value of it? So you start thinking about unique costs in a very different way. So if I'm acquiring Rudolph as a customer, as a new personal finance app or as a new social media app, how do I count that I brought you know these users from a Facebook ad, an Instagram ad, to maybe working with an influencer, to maybe brand? All of these decisions are impacting product, marketing, and as well as finance. So this is like the second stage of it. How do you define and still track and count where the money is going and how you track your cost? Then the financing becomes more strategic, where you say, well, can we get regulated maybe to improve our, I don't know, card acquiring or payment processing, whatever those things are, right? So then you work with a chief revenue officer plus a CFO, and then you are in scale mode where you say, okay, from the products that we have, this is where we're making most of the money. And in the, in the startup, you have two things you can do in terms of money. You either increase revenue or um, you reduce cost. When you think about forecasting, the world looks amazing. You forecast the world is going to be great, but then COVID happens. Um, you say, oh, yeah, we're going to 3x the world, but then, I don't know, VC is down, so there's no uh, interest rates go up. So purchasing power from startups is like almost none because nobody has money. So you can always paint a beautiful picture of the future, 
but the market is something you cannot control. And the finance team know this. Know, they know this. So what you can control as a, as a company is your cost. Maybe you're giving coffees for everybody so they can have that as a free thing every day. Or maybe you're giving delivery at Uber Eats after 5 p.m. But maybe you push it until 9 p.m. if they stay at the office. Those little changes make a massive difference in how you can run the business. And that's where the finance team comes in. I will say at the very, very, very beginning of the startup life is to count things, to put some structure to it. But as you scale, you have to be more strategic. But if you want to scale and be strategic, how can you be strategic if your bank sources or your data sources to make those decisions is everywhere in this bank and this bank and this bank and this account and this journal entry, blah, 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 blah. So the approach we're taking to payable is this twofold. How do you categorize everything in the right way? So operationally, you get value to save time. But second is, how do we allow you to create the right reports and build the right, yeah, I guess, reports in this case so you can be more strategic? But I would say that's the, that's the role of the finance person. Beginning is structure, process, then eventually strategy and decision-making. All right, sounds great. So I think first you need to clear up the process and the approach in your mind, the strategy. But uh, there's a lot of data we're talking about, right? You also alluded to it, like you have data all over the place. It's coming from different places. So you need to have some sort of a system for it, right? And uh, some people call it a CFO stack. So what is a CFO stack and uh, why using it is an opportunity, actually, rather than an obligation? Yeah, the, the CFO stack now, I think, is a very broad, um, it's so broad right now. <laughs> Oh, is it so it's like saying, what is a what is a CTO stack, right? Like I imagine like that's AWS, that's that could be Snowflake, that could be PagerDuty, Incidental IO. It's just insanely, insanely big. But when we think about jobs to be done, you know, the things that they need to do to do their job, I will keep it very simple. Is um on one side is accounting. What's the way for you to do your PL balance sheet? Then Forecasting, normally known as FPNA, corporate finance, strategic finance. How can you, yeah, think about the future, where it will go to? And then last but not least, more operational products. Uh, this is very broad. This is where it gets very, very uh, convoluted. You can have tools for account receivable. Hey, when is a customer paying to me so I can chase them? Because you'll be surprised people don't like to pay on time. Accounts payable. Hey, I need to pay my liabilities. I need to pay my bills. How do I do that? What happens if you are a... Uh, multi-legal entity company where you have operations in the US, in the UK, and Europe, you need to be paying bills in different currencies. Uh, that's just not that easy. And then um, how do you then put it all together to make sure that maybe from one side, it could be procurement to know that uh, you know whoever you're onboarding as a vendor, it's approved in the right way. How do you approve payments as well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But to keep it simple, I would say accounting, Finance, which is in this case, um, you know, forecasting where you're going, FPNA, the strategic finance, more strategic, and then more operational process, AR, AP. And then in here, I will even put treasury as a thing now that interest rates are so high. Many companies are investing their uh, idle money from the money they raise from investors, or that could also be revenue into maybe 5%, 4% in any market funds. But that will keep it that simple. Um, there are companies like NetSuite that they're trying to tackle the whole thing. So 
they uh, there's an incumbent, it's a very old ERP, but they do the accounting, the balance sheet, the PNL, but they include OCR, invoice management, blah 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 blah. But you know, their solution is not always it's not always great. It's uh, it's not the best experience. Uh, absolutely. So, all right, we talked about CFOs that can be anything, right? The need for finance uh, or uh, CFO himself or herself, right, as well. Uh, but um, what would be your advice to uh, build the propositions that the market wants and needs? So we, we touched on that before, product market fit. How do you actually get there, right? Uh, I think by now, many startup founders get a good handle on it. But what's your experience? What are some of the good examples you could share? Yeah, I think um, I, I think I think asking you know, hey, how do you get to pro market fit is like asking someone, how do you fall in love? How do you find your love? It's 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 uh it's so it's such a complex domain, right? I think the something complicated is sending um a rocket to the moon and it's really, really difficult to do it. But after you do it, then um you can do it again. But cancer is complex, right? Every human is different, every person is different, so it's not a it's not a way you can replicate this. So when you think about pro market fit, I think it's the same here, right? Every company will have their different journey on how to get to pro market fit. We are in a world where you know two years ago more companies had more money to spend time on experiments or trying new products. Consumers had more money as well. Inflation is high as well, so it was easier to use your spare money to other type of things. So it's a it's a very different world right now. So I, I will find it interesting if anybody here um, in 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 the ecosystem could articulate easily, you know, what you need to do to 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 make to get to pro market fit. My biggest advice will say: listen to customers and just build something that is beautiful and amazing to your customers. I still think even for us payable, we're still working on this to make sure we give a 10x experience. If your solution at least for B2B and for, yeah, like fintech companies, if your solution is a 0.5, even 2x better of what you have, then it's not worth the priority list, right? Like if you talk about the CFO stack, right? The CFO has a lot of issues, a lot of problems. What do you do to make sure you are top of the three priority list there? And for you to do that, you need to build something great by really listening to their problems. Second is... Be focused and narrow, and then know that from being focused and narrow, you can always expand. Don't try to go super broad. Uh, try to take a stab on a bet that you believe in and then double it down. For us, it's been more about you can build the most, you know, the best account receivable product experience, but there's just so many out there and it's not a big of a market. We took a different approach where we say, hey, what if we just bring a single interface that allows companies to automatically instruct payments and reconciliation from any ERP way better. And that's what we think about it. We, we don't want to take over a NetSuite or, or Zero. We want to have a hook where we say, hey, if you're pushing all of this data to your ERP, it's very slow, it's very annoying, it's not that great. Use us. We give you 95% match rate. We have an algorithm that it learns completely and it's just way better, but it's very focused, very, very focused on if you are using NetSuite, we know it can give you an amazing experience, but it's just better to differentiate than trying to be everything at the same time. And then third is 
building companies hard. So have fun, enjoy. Uh, building something great takes time. So if you are a founder trying to get to pro market fit, I I, I feel you. It's uh, <laughs> it's not easy. And the best thing is just to really really enjoy the ride. All right. So coming back to you then, uh, what where are you on your journey as payable, and what are the milestones you're trying to reach next? Yeah. So now, as I mentioned before, we built something. Uh, we have revenue. We have customers. Now it's more how do we uh, make sure we increase our KPIs and make sure we continue working as we are, so we can do seriously next year. Uh, it's pretty exciting. We've got a lot of good uh, products in the pipeline right now, and. This is where we think about where do we fit in the market? Uh, do we want to go very deep into the treasury world or we want to go more into the finance accounting world? You know, where do we sit down between, you know, we have a forecasting tool. How do we sit down across other forecasting liquidity tools? So this is where we are. Um, it's been a it's been a great year for us. We are also hiring a product manager. Uh, we have great people right now in the in the in the in the top of funnel in the pipeline. But if anybody there wants to join an early stage startup to go and change how finance teams collaborate, please let us know. And that's it. We just hired as well, uh, sorry, um, a salesperson last week, Joe, which is super exciting. And then another thing that might happen pretty soon is someone that was a customer of ours, uh, unfortunately, this company had to, you know, um, shut down. The BP of finance really love our product and really love what we're doing. So he's joining as an advisor or joining us in a, yeah, just to support us in this journey. And that's super exciting because I think we hire great people, but nobody here, including myself, we are CFOs or finance managers. So we build things from the outside world to the inside world. But by having someone in-house that believes in the world where we want to change I think that's going to be massive. So this is something that is really excited for the next year. If if this person join us, um, we're also working with another like group of finance teams, but I'm very excited to see how he can give an, a different angle to it. Not only on the um, on the product side, which is pretty cool, he even wants to go into the sales side as well. Hey, if we're sending an email, a message to the CFO or to the financial controller, what should we say? Like, what is the wording that could change? between uh, one month, two month sales cycle to maybe three weeks, two weeks. So this is really, really exciting because it's going to add a different dimension to to the company. All right. So before I let you go, I just have two easy questions for you. First of all, do you have a favorite business book that you could recommend? Or if not the book, then any other source where you get the information uh, about what you do? Yeah, I I, I I love to read. I, I, I try to read a lot. I think it's funny when you ask me about favorite book. It's funny because one book that I really loved and I was talking past was Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow by Daniel Kahneman. When I read that book, I realized how, I guess, fool I was <laughs> of myself because um, you realize you're full of biases. That, that book changed me. I was a lawyer when I was reading it, I remember. And I was thinking, wow. I thought I had free will, but maybe I'm not. I don't have free will. I'm just full of biases. I really like that book. Uh, I would say for now, today, I would I would choose two books that I recommend to to many founders. One is the hard things about hard things from Ben Horowitz. I read this when I was a, a, an employee as a product manager, and I read it and I was like, mm, "That's interesting." And then I read it as a founder, as a CEO, and 
it's uh it's uh you know being a founder being a ceo it's it's so hard like it's so 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 freaking hard because you're trying to change the world meanwhile you're building the ship meanwhile you're telling everybody we're going to go and change the world and there's always shit happening like always like there's just these employees aren't happy or um, I don't know, customer complaints or we sign a deal, then the, sign, the deal falls through, then you have money. Like, it's just like, it's insane. But the hard thing about how things gives such an amazing perspective from tactically explaining what a good product money should be doing to running out of money and say, hey, you will not die until you decide that you want to die. So that's an amazing book. So I really recommend that if for two type of people. You, if you want to start a company, so you realize that this is a lifestyle, it's not a, it's not glory, it's hard, but it's the most rewarding job ever. And to whoever is working in a startup, if you want to succeed as a startup, as a person in a startup, the best thing you can do is to think about the problems the founder or the leadership team has or the founders have. So if you read this book, you will understand all of us. And if you are able to improve one, three percent every day, that which will compound you will succeed amazingly. Like you will be so, so helpful. In the last book, uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, this is more of a philosophy book. It's always interesting because when you're a founder, you, you get tunnel and you go so deep into your work, which nothing else matters. And sometimes it's important to not lose your mind and not lose perspective of everything. And it's really hard. Like how do you not become pessimistic of hating everybody because everybody's making mistakes? How do you not become a cheerleader because you're too optimistic because you believe in your own lies? Like what is that stoic view of, are we building the right thing? Are we going into the right direction of the company? And when things are wrong, you have good temper to think about the right decision for the company. And if you had a massive win, you are happy about making that massive win, but not Fooling yourself, there's still a lot of way to go. So that book of meditation of uh, Marcus Aurelius is a great book for anyone. Anyone that is starting a company or just you thinking about reflecting about your life. That would be my my, my favorite my favorite books. Brilliant. You know, that uh, book from Ben Horowitz appears on this podcast many, many times. So uh, we should get him one day to uh, talk about an update <laughs> because yeah, really it good. looks like all the founders have read it, which is great. And uh, when it comes to philosophy, that's also good to be rooted in something else than just current events, right? So uh, wonderful stuff. So last question is, what's the best way for people to reach out and what kind of people would you like to hear from most? Brilliant. Yeah. So, well, uh, if anybody wants to reach out, uh, you can find me literally almost anywhere in the world as Daniel Ubi, uh, UBI. That is what Yankee Union Bravo India and um, yeah, just I'm very lucky that my great grandfather is Japanese, so I'm a Mexican Japanese, <laughs> um, I guess, founder living in London. So very few people in the world have the UB last name. And um, yeah, anybody that needs help for starting a company, any fintech founder as well. How do you do the zero to one, the cold start? And if anybody there from Mexico, um, les mando muchos saludos. Espero que estén muy bien and I have a hard love for my country and my Latin Latin roots. So if you are one of those founders or product managers that you need advice or a perspective of what does it mean to, yeah, I guess coming from 
from Cancun, a small town, to Mexico City, uh, joining an early startup, fintech startup, a startup as a product manager, to then going to one of the most well-known fintechs like Checkout.com to start your own company, I'm more than happy to help. Thank you so much, and good luck to you, Daniel, and good luck to Payable. Rudolf, I had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.